You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from our friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Janice Legata, and this is God Has Not Given, an evangelical podcast featuring me and my failing faith and conversations with friends about fears we were given and ways that we are finding power, love, and sound mind. Hello, hello, and happy July. Okay, technically, I guess this episode should have come out last week, but I held off because, well, a few reasons, but mostly because I just felt like it. I started a new temp job last week. It looks like it's going to be a six-month assignment, which is great. And so I was trying to re-regulate my sleep schedule, and it's not really working, but I'm trying my best. Also, Beyonce has a new album coming out at the end of the month, and I want to do an album review episode with my friends in Clown Town. So holding this episode uh, set the schedule up nicely for that. And speaking of listening and hopefully enjoying, I've got something for you right now. So without further ado... One of my internet faves for a while, and now one of my internet friends... You should know her, hopefully already do, but if you don't, go find her and follow her as unashamedly Ashley. And yeah, I think I first came to know about you through the Joshua Tree saga. (laughs) We were in a lot of the same comment sections, saying a lot of the same things. And so it was a kind of just a trial by fire <laughs> it's like okay no she's all right i uh i think i like her and so started following her from then and then i don't know like just always you're always in my periphery but again you know i'm like uh that's internet people and i don't want to bother internet people and i don't want to be like you know the weird person trying to be like <laughs> Hey, remember that time we were in the comments? Or, you know? <laughs> is this is this something? Is this yeah? So I'll just you know let her rock, and then we both got randomly assigned to a a panel that was supposed to happen, but then didn't happen. And so the first time I actually saw Ashley, like kind of in a virtual meeting kind of space, we were waiting for someone to join the call. They didn't join. And then there was some side conversation kind of going on. And I just remember looking at Ashley. I don't know. I feel like she's thinking some of the things that I'm thinking. But I don't know. We were both just kind of quiet. And then the call ended. And then I was like, all right, well, I think I want to talk to her anyway. So I'm going to reach out. And I'm not going to say all of my thoughts, but I am going <laughs> to <laughs> make a little bit of an overture here. Just be like, well, I was a little bit bothered by this. And Ashley was like, yes. And since then, it's just been no holds barred. You are just, I don't know which whose wavelength is whose, but I'm glad to be on it with you. And yeah, so that's that's my version of how we met. Confirm or deny? Confirm. Confirm, yeah. I feel like the first time I really was like, I think I fucks with her. We were just in some lives talking a lot of shit. And uh, it's, you know, it, it, here we are, you know, it is there and we just ain't going back, you know? 
yeah so i'm very i'm very pleased with the trajectory of this relationship how things have gone how things are going and i originally i i'm been really enjoying just kind of the group dynamics and just having group conversations on my podcast lately and so i was slipping and i just let time get away from me and someone was like hey you gonna do anything for pride month and i was like oh shoot that is that is now and yes i would like to and so i was like i'm gonna call some of my favorite queer friends and we'll have a little group thing and then the dates just didn't work out and then Roe v. Wade happened, and there was like drama. So I was like, "No, I'm just gonna trick Ashley and just coming on the podcast <laughs> by herself." So here we are. Yeah, <laughs> here we are. So it is still Pride Month. This will come out in July, but everything is evergreen, and I'm sure there will be more things to talk about. So this is not the first time. You've heard Ashley, this is the first time you'll hear her solo, and it won't be the last time. I'm sure she'll be back. So yeah, so we're going to play a quick game. I'm just going to ask you just this or that, and give you a choice of two things, and you you make your choice. There are no wrong answers, except for the wrong answers. So, Sprite or Ginger Ale? Oh, Ginger Ale. All right. The book or the movie? Ooh, depends. Depends. Sometimes the movie... Sometimes a book, but I'm going to go with book. All right. Um, dog or cat? Neither. Uh, uh, dog. <laughs> oh, you want to look like no animals. People. I'm very particular about the animals that I like. I can name five. My favorite happens to be named Devante. He's a naughty dog that jumps on people, but I love him. All right. So Devante, okay. that's final answer. <laughs> The dog or cat, Devante. Got it. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Board games or video games? Board games. Mm-hmm. Any particular one? There's a game called Space Base, and I'm filthy with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> really, that bitch in that game. All right, I'm gonna have to look that up. Okay. Too hot or too cold? Oh, too cold. Uh, Olivia Pope or Olivia Benson? What kind of, oh, Olivia Benson. No, Olivia Pope, Olivia Pope, Olivia Pope. Final answer. <laughs> uh, tattoo or piercing? Tattoo. Mm-hmm. Cubed or crushed? Crushed. A hiking trip or a beach day? Beach day. All right. And that's it. You win. Yay. All right. And so this podcast, in the beginning, we were talking a lot about where we came from and the questions I would ask, you know, what, what makes something a church? What makes something a Christian? And now I just want to know what, what makes people, what they are now and where they are now. So give me three ways to locate you right now. Seattle, black woman. That's one. Fiance. Yeah. All right. Perfect. So that's all the preliminaries. Now we know a little bit about you. Now we can get into the real talk. So it's Pride Month. You are a fiance to a woman of all things and making plans for the future as America is in its flop era. So how much, how much of any of this being engaged America as it is, you 
in your faith, like just all things, how much of the life you're living today was possible to you 10 years ago? Oh God, none of it. I don't think, I think 10 years ago, I really thought that I was going to be, hold on. Yeah. 10 years ago, I really thought that I was going to be like in ministry. I thought, um, I, I think I oscillated between maybe I would never get married because Christian white boys don't like black girls who talk too much. So I was like, will I ever be married? Will I ever, I never, you know, never thought I'd go to the corporate world. Never thought that I would be in this space of Whitney Houston's internet corner deconstruction space. I never thought that I would really be in any of the scenarios that I'm in. I don't, I don't think that there was a world where, you know, I have friends who are trans and queer and I just never could have imagined a world in which I would be living this life 10 years ago. Five years ago? Not quite. Close, close, not quite. It's been so interesting. So I ended up talking with a queer couple yesterday. So it's one of my best friends, Daniel, and his his now husband. So they just got married a couple months ago. And so I asked them this question. And again, like five years, 10 years, nope, not even possible. Five years ago, like not even possible. And it seems like for so many people, kind of like the pandemic and like just before the pandemic, yeah. just really just something about that time period just like revolutionized everything and just set people's lives just in a whole, just a more, a better trajectory and just a better, a better path. But like before that, just impossibility. So, yeah. So how did you get here? So what is your, your faith story, your faith journey? And yeah, that, that life path. I think I'm a little bit of an anomaly in the deconstruction space because I didn't grow up very religious, if not at all. Like my mom's pretty like anti, but you know, I went to like, I lived in a little conservative town and young life had a hold on my school district. And so I did young life, a lot of young life. And so I did young life and then like a good Christian 18 year old, I did a terrible internship. They still owe me money and really just threw myself into ministry and thinking that that was going to be my path and my trajectory. And then I just never fit. I think I'm, I think I'm naturally deconstructionist. You know, people say they, they never really questioned. No, I always was like, what you mean? Like, or like, why does this guy get to do that? And none of us get to do that. And like the hypocrisy, like I just always questioned, I never fit, you know, for my internship, (laughs) The internship director would have a different story for you. He would tell me I got kicked out. I would say I quit. But we just had this conversation where, like, I I was done. And I, like, went up and did something else, but still in the church. This is, like, the what? Like, I still was helping in that goddamn church. But, but I wasn't doing what he told me to do. So he comes up and he goes, it doesn't seem like you want to be in this internship. And I said, I don't. <laughs> And then he said terrible things to me. And then I was like, well, I don't Well, I guess we're done here. And so I think I just always kind of saw through the bullshit, through the nonsense. And so I, but I, but I still just so desperately felt like, but this is where I'm supposed to be. So I kept going to terrible churches where people did terrible things. And I just kept trying and trying and trying. And then my last church probably was the first church that wasn't 
the most dysfunctional that I've been to, but I, it just, again, seeing the things that were so harmful, people refusing to take responsibility, my own complicity and terrible things, right? Like I always have to name, I did terrible things. I'm not a saint. You will find out terrible things about me in the same way I will find out terrible things about you because that's what church breeds in my opinion. That's what it breeds. It breeds this, this like hiding who you really are and harming people because that's what you're supposed to be doing. And so I just think we have all caused harm in the church, whether we've meant to or not upholding these rules and guidelines that are not real. And so I think probably really the pandemic some shit went down and I was like, what is, what is this? Like, it, like, is this, is this worth all that I've been putting into it? And I decided I can fuck with Jesus and not go to church. Yeah. So I think I fall in the deconstruction space of like, some days I don't really know what I believe. Some days I oscillate, but like, I think Jesus seemed like he was cool. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> so it sounds like we we might be kind of the same in that I like once like it's hard for me to get back into the mindset of of that person who was in church all the time because like once you take out some of the key building blocks for me like it just stops making sense and then I can't explain it anymore so for me like once I it just hit me one day they're like oh I don't have to go to church like that just changed changed everything and it's like because I wasn't you know my last few years at Hillsong I wasn't there because I liked it I wasn't there because you know but it was just like no you have to be in church so like I have to I have I have to pick a poison right like I have to that's that just has to be there's no other there's no other option and then once that that little jangle block fell out it was just like oh this this just doesn't make sense for me and I'm actually it's really easy to let go of and to just kind of know, yeah, I'm never going to do this again. Like, yeah. And I don't know what that means for me and God, for me and Jesus particularly, but I don't think I have to know because <laughs> it's like, are you coming with me or not? Because I'm going, uh, you're welcome to join, but I'm not coming here anymore. And I think that's the wild thing for me. I would say the last church that I was at was nowhere near as toxic or terrible as these other churches that I was at, like probably the best of any church I've ever gone to. And yet still for me, it's like the picking the poison. And, you know, in the pandemic, I started going to the farmer's market every Sunday. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I see more God, if you will, humanity, kindness, goodness at that little quirky farmer's market than I maybe ever did in church. Yeah. And, and, and if me and my fiance ever decide to go to church again, we've already talked about, we will not go every Sunday. We will not feel like we have to go. We will not get stuck in those trappings that exist for us. Yeah. Cause it's, oh. I mean, I think most things are a scam, but it is. It's really. It is a scam, a scam and and very, very performative. Like I've thought a lot about that, like how everyone there is is performing and being taught, taught to perform and like put on this persona. Here are the things I don't do. Here are the things. Here's everything that I believe and everything that I 
don't do. And now if I do do something or I do believe differently, then I've got to confess that to you. And it becomes like, like you said, like, oh, you're going to find out terrible things about me and I'm going to find out terrible things about you. And I think, you know, some of these, I know for like Hillsong and some of these pastors, I'm like, some of y'all are still here and still staying in this job because people know too much about you. Like the people over you know too much about you and could ruin you if you were to say, say something out of turn or, you know, try to really change something here or, or step out. But it's, it's very performed. Like it's, it's a show on many Mm -hmm. levels for many reasons. And I don't know, I'm lucky, lucky to be a black woman and that they never really expected much of me and didn't pay much attention to me. And I think now, you know, it's no accident that like Hillsong is being taken down and most of the people speaking up are women and women of color. Cause it's like, we were, we were furniture. Y'all were not paying attention to us. And you don't know enough about us to know like how to get at us. <laughs> like who <laughs> does anyone know anything about these women? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> when they come for you, it's like the weirdest stuff. It's like, it's like, like, I'm like, that's what you went with, but you can't sing bitch. <laughs> like that's, that's, that, oh, <laughs> No, you got me. Dang. Dang. They never let you on stage. I'm like, that that's what we're okay. I'm like, meanwhile, also, there's books about Carl Lentz getting it in with people, but they wouldn't let you on stage. Moral failing. But then also but they did though. <laughs> <laughs> what? Ooh. Your research is incomplete. I don't <laughs> I don't know. And then that's supposed to make me be like, oh, you're right. Bye, everybody. Bye forever, guys. Well, I guess it's time for me to shut down my platform. Shucks. They wouldn't let me on stage. Sets Instagram to private. Oh, white men are funny. Funny. Not like ha-ha funny, but funny. So, yeah. So, you know, like you said, you thought, okay, maybe I'll never... Never get married because white boys don't, you know, they're not checking, checking for us. But uh, it seems like maybe you weren't checking for them. Ashley, what's... No, I think I was. Because you're not marrying a white boy now. I'm marrying a white woman. It's hard out here for me. (laughs) (laughs) God. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So were you were, were you in the church that allowed this type of behavior? No, and I don't think that I ever really like, honestly, I think I'm really lucky that I, and call it the universe, call it God, call it me being a Pisces, I don't know. But I feel really insulated from particular things. So like, for me, I have never been someone that struggles with body positivity because I felt insulated from it. Somehow it didn't touch me. And I feel very similar that, of course, like I liked boys and it made me sad when they didn't like me back. But I didn't feel like the intense yearning that I feel like some of my friends feel. Like I have friends in my 30s, in our 30s, who feel so sad that they've never been married. It like really grates on them. And I just, I never felt that I turned 30 and I was like, oh, I guess like maybe my sexual ethic has changed maybe. And I just like 
was like, oh, I can like who I like. But I never felt like the the deep shame that I feel like some people felt. I literally, I tell this story uh, and people are like, what? I was in a space with someone that I was seeing reoccurring and I was like, wow, that girl's really attractive. I guess I like women. And I just changed my hinge profile. Like that is it. That like that. It was like one day I was like, oh, I'm really attracted to them. I should probably change my hinge profile. And I just did that day. And here we are. There was no like, there was no like, oh, am I gonna go to hell? What like, I just, I was like, I, I, I think she's really cute. Uh, I should, I should probably like see where this goes. And I just changed it and started dating girls almost immediately. That is amazing. That I don't, I don't know what it. <laughs> you, if you could bottle and sell yourself and your spirit. I'd buy it. Yeah. I just, I think that I just am so, maybe it's I'm a Pisces. I'm so sure that I know myself that I just was like, well, I know myself well enough to know that I'm attracted to this person. So that probably means something. And I probably should make, take action towards that. And I was right. And here I am marrying a girl. That's so good. And there's, I just appreciate that fearlessness because you could have changed your profile, dated some women, and then been like, oh, actually, no. Yeah. It's not for yeah. me. And, like, I think we just don't, we just, we haven't, so many of us, especially who grew up in evangelicalism, like, you're taught there's just one path, yeah. there's one way. And, like, there's no room for, not even mistakes, just exploration, yeah. right? Like, just seeing, is this for me? Following a feel, you're going to follow a feeling? Like, <laughs> What? <laughs> And that's like the scariest thing in the world. And also like so simple. Yeah. And I am also really lucky that all my friends kind of deconstructed at the same time. So like when I came out to my friends, it was like, <laughs> I came out to my friends and one of my friends was like, oh, 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 we're, sh- we're going to share things. I'm trans. Is that is? And we were like, oh, okay. We, we're just celebrating the queer community in this space. And I think, I think, I think that I got a lot of hate from people outside of my friends. So I, you know, I got the messages that you're going to hell. I was told to bend the knee to Jesus, all the nonsense. Right. But like my closest friends never made it weird, never made it weird, never made it about them. Just we're like, we love you. And that's cool. I, you know, I was, I told one of my close friends and I was like, okay, like, I'm like talking about this person that I like and I'm like, okay, like, but like, there's like a caveat. So I like need to tell you. And she was like, did they vote for Trump? Like, like she was stressed. She was like, is he conservative? I'm like, no, it's a girl. She was like, oh, thank God. And so I just felt a lot of love. And I think that when you're around people and I, and I think the hard thing with the deconstruction space is when people are leaving their, the deconstruction, when they're leaving their churches, they don't have anybody else. And I just got really lucky that all my friends, literally all at the same time, we were like, this is kind of bullshit, right? And all of us were like, yeah. And we're at very, you know, some of us are, I would say, not Christian at all. Some of us are still attending church. Some of us are in the space that I'm in. And we just believe that, that each one of us knows what's best for us. And we love each other through that. And yeah. so 
I think I like, I have to, yes, I went with my feeling. I trusted myself, but I also am in community that allows for that. Yeah. Which is such a beautiful thing and such, I didn't realize how rare of a thing it is. Cause I have that too. Like I have my group that, yeah, they know what's, what's really going on and what I'm really working on or working towards. And yeah, it's just all love and support. 98% of them I met in church and we kind of deconstructed at different times or not at all. Like I'm a friend who works for a church right now, but it's just, okay. Like as long as none of us, none of us are trying to make us anyone be anything that they're not, you know, or believe anything that they don't. And it's just taking people as they are, you know, and having, having to lay aside. (laughs) So you either got to lay it aside or you just can't bring it up, you know, the whole depravity and, you know, we're all sinners and whatever. I'm like, if you, you know, if you're going to love me and you still want to believe in hell, (laughs) then you just don't have to believe I'm going there and be okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) make this time as good as it can be (laughs) because you don't know what awaits me but here we are now (laughs) all right so so what year was it when you switched your hinge profile oh 2021 what yeah (laughs) like yesterday yeah like not that long ago And now you are an engaged woman. And now I'm an engaged woman. So you found you found your person. I found my person. How did you find your person? And how did how did you know? Oh, this is my person. Um, so hinge really was good that I clicked that little button. So we met last summer and it was super interesting because we come from very similar spaces down to the denomination. So like I was in spaces with people, I was at a wedding with her roommates. My best friend had met her at her house because her roommates went to his small group. And so just like, we just were like, had all of these overlap, but like, had we met each other, even six months before we met each other, we would have never been together. And so it was like, just really interesting to have someone who fully understood all the spaces that I was in. And so I think that that was like the initial, like, oh, I like, I like want to be around this person that we just like got each other. We like totally like just were on the same wavelength about a lot of things. And also it was clear to me how, you know, white women are fine, but sometimes you got to be explaining a lot of stuff, but Catherine had done a lot of work prior to ever getting to me. So like knew not to touch my hair, still doesn't really touch my hair unless I give her permission because she be knowing, don't just be getting up in here. And so I think like those were the initial things. And then really like, I just feel like she fits so well with my friends and my people. And like immediately my best friends like loved her. And I just knew that she fit in a way that not, not anyone had fit before. That's and we just fight you know we fight fair and we like can be pragmatic and we and i and i feel like i am 
I'm just an exhausted black woman and uh, I'm just, I am an exhausted black woman. And I feel like she just anticipates needs before I, I even know that they're needs. And so I just really appreciate the ways that she knows me and the ways that I hope that I know her also, but having a partner that just like can tell that you are, you need support and you don't even have to say anything to me. That's, that's the vibe. I'm about it. I love it. Kudos. <laughs> Kudos. So I'm gonna throw a little bit of a curveball because I didn't know. I didn't know it was that recent, but that's kind of cool because a lot of people coming out of evangelical spaces, sexuality, relationships, it's all messed up. Don't know how to, don't know how to get started. And so for someone to be making that switch and be like, okay, I'm going to venture out into this thing I've never done. I'm just going to try this. What, I guess, what kind of advice would you give to people who do not know how to do this and are afraid of, like, you know, just feeling maybe stunted, feeling behind, like, I didn't learn these skills. I didn't learn how to do this stuff before. And now I'm out here and I don't know, I don't know what to do. Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, first, like I did a lot of therapy, so I, I already had some skills. So, and I know therapy isn't for everyone because it's not accessible or you've had a bad experience, insert whatever. But I think it's really important to have real life friends. I'm gonna just say it again, real life friends. Internet friends are beautiful, but there is something to like, my friends romance me. Like my friends, take me to movies, my friends buy me dinner, my friends, like I go on trips with them. And so I think that for me, I had already been practicing all of these ways in which you fall in love, but just with my friends. And I think we get really caught up on like, I need my perfect person. And so that's what I need to be looking for. When actually, I think that starting with friendships and putting yourself out there with like, people that are become your people, I actually think the transition to falling in love, it's a lot easier because I was going to be okay if Catherine didn't want me because I'm already so wanted by my friends. And I, I didn't always know that, but it's something that I, that became so clear to me during the pandemic. That's good. That's real good. Like sometimes I say my friends, my friends have ruined me. Oh, my friends hundred percent like, ruined me. Yeah. Like the way, the way y'all love me. And like, you guys are such amazing people. Like now I'm just supposed to settle for some knucklehead. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you need, you need people to show you how you should be treated and don't settle for that knucklehead and don't think that you just need to take whatever comes your way. And I think that that's a big lie in the church for those who are deconstructing. You just get what you get and God tells somebody to be with you. So you're with them. And I think like, let your friends romance you. And I think internet friendships again are like beautiful and like it might, some of my internet friends are about to be partying at my wedding. So they become real friends, you know, but I think that there is something for having someone accessible who's in person who like can take you out when you're sad or go see a movie when you need a friend. And my friends showed me the kind of partner I deserved. That's so good. Mm. And I think, I don't know, I think there's some, I think queer people maybe do it better because you're not, especially in evangelicalism, when you've got stupid stuff like the Billy Graham rule 
and whatever. Like, if you're a woman, then you're kind of just automatically looking at men as as a potential, right? So you don't even really know how to like develop those friendships. And then with women, there can be this thing where everybody's just like a placeholder, right? And until I find, and once I find my person, all y'all got to go because now it's all about you know this marriage and this relationship, and it just it just doesn't doesn't work. And then especially when you're a black woman in these white evangelical spaces, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So you better, you better learn how to relate to other folks in a non-romantic way. Right. And just build, build real relationships. But it's, uh, it's, it's hard out here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) all right so then with all of that all that going on you're in seattle seattle pacific university has been in the news Mm. lately and again just kind of realizing just how how hot and fresh your story is (laughs) i'm like oh my goodness like all of these things like this is having this is a real impact on you like this wasn't you know a flippant little cute little choice that just, you know, has only been good and easy. So for folks who don't know, tell us, tell us the, the 411 on Seattle mm. SPU. Speaking of flop eras, um, <laughs> SPU is in its flop era. So SPU is a Christian university in Seattle. Something that SPU has really needed to do is up enrollment. So where Seattle Pacific University is located, it's in kind of the weird part of Seattle. It's where like the summer solstice happens, where people ride naked in the streets. Conservative Christian parents are not sending their kids to Seattle Pacific University anymore. It's just, we got too many gays. We're we're too liberal. You know, we have that little, uh, uh, what was it called? The little Capitol Hill no man's zone. I can't remember the name right now, but like the police were not like conservative Christian parents are not looking at Seattle and saying autonomous zone. They're not saying that's where I'm sending my baby. So Santa Pacific university has had to like really up its diversity efforts. So black and brown students, queer students, uh, not Christian students. And so I would say it's a predominantly white institution but its numbers don't always match that, but it's gonna, it just operates as a predominantly white institution. There's still a lot of white students and faculty and staff, but the numbers are just increasing for black and brown students and queer students, which SPU just is queer students. And so, you know, a few years ago, SPU made a decision to take out its statement of faith for students. So you no longer, could get kicked out if you were pregnant or you were gay. So it has no statement of faith for students. So when I came on at Seattle Pacific University, I signed a statement of faith, but I asked some really good questions. You know, like, I was like, what does this mean for gay people? And I mean, like, they didn't really tell me. They were just like, "Um, you can't commit sexual sin, but like, didn't really like divulge what that meant. So I was like, okay, like I'm not really having sex with anybody, so I can sign it. It's not a big deal. And I could still go to a church that allows gay people. I could go to gay weddings. I could perform a gay wedding for that matter. Um, so, you know, I was like, 
I'm not planning to get pregnant, so I guess this is something that I could sign. Because you will get fired also if you're gay or you get pregnant as a woman. Those are like the two things that get you in trouble. Can't live with a significant other. And so I didn't think about it again until we found out that Seattle Pacific University wouldn't hire a adjunct professor to full time because he had a husband and then it was and then everyone was kind of like wait what um and professors don't to my knowledge i don't think professors even signed the statement of faith it was just something staff signed so basically staff and faculty put a lot of work in getting this information to the board of directors saying 80 percent of us that that filled out the survey think we should have queer people on staff if they're Christian. And basically everyone across the board, except for some fringy people, were like, just let gay people work here. But the board of directors uh, are a bunch of, some of them are nice. Some of them have resigned who also did a lot of advocacy. But a lot of people on our board are old white people. And if you look at the breakdown of who voted for and who voted against, Almost everyone who voted against the current policy is a black or brown person. Mm -hmm. And almost every single person who voted for the policy to stay was white. And there was one old Asian guy. And so if that doesn't tell you something. And so basically the students were like, this is this ain't it. And so they started protesting. And for me, I was on a team of people that I love and respect, but I was on university ministries. And so that was really complicated because while you could say that a a nursing professor isn't teaching the Bible, you can't really say that someone in university ministries with pastors is not teaching the Bible. So it was pretty miserable on my team for months after I decided, even before that, when students were like, really struggling. It was not great on my team. We get a lot of the burden of taking care of students. And so it didn't feel great. But then when I like was like, oh, I'm going to date women. And when I got serious with my fiance, it was terrible. It was, it was Mm -hmm. terrible. And, and, um, you know, we were like, we kept it a secret because we were, um, I came out because I don't, were they going to fire me? Like, no, I'll sue you. Um, I already work here, but we, I kept it a secret, uh, dating her. And, you know, like, again, it's like, you can be gay, but you can't be having sex and you can, and, you know, and so it's like, it gets very like wanting to be up in my business. Mm-hmm. And, and so we just, didn't I never posted about her. I never said I was dating her until I quit. And the reason that I quit was because I realized that there were things happening on my team that didn't allow us to fully advocate for students. And students were getting really hurt by our ministry. And I and, and, and frankly, you know, it's like, how much do you say? But frankly, someone said to me to my face that I wasn't going to lose my job because I was gay, but I would lose my job if I were doing gay behaviors. And when I asked what that meant, they couldn't tell me what it meant. And so it just was like stuff like that. I was just like super sick and afraid. And I came home 
I live in a mother-in-law and I came home to the people that I live with and I like called them and I was like, can I talk to you? And I'm like sobbing after a day at work. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I feel like I need to quit, but I can't afford to live. And they control my rent. And they were like, quit. Like, we'll, we'll, like, we'll figure it out. Quit. And I did. And I found a better job, which I love. And I can be free to be who I am. I think for me, it's been really conflicting because I love the students at SPU. I love, and I, and I Mm -hmm. especially love the students who have taken the charge of this. Those, those humans are just the most amazing, still giving their heart and sweat and tears to a university they've graduated from. And, and so it was really hard to feel like I wasn't supporting them, but I think sometimes the, the trick of being a black woman is we'll kill ourselves for other people and I needed to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Ugh. And that's when, I don't know, like that's so real. Like so much of this stuff is just hypothetical to so many people and just, yeah, hypothetical talking points. And, you know, can you imagine if, and you don't have to imagine, like it's, it's right there and it's crazy. It's like 2022 and we're still like, these just seem like such low conversations to be having and like such silly, just silly things to be worrying about. And just this obsession with like what what other people are doing, <laughs> but also it's like this very vague obsession, right? Because no gay behaviors, and it's like you're dying on a hill. I mean, these students have been doing like a four week sit in in front of the president's office, and like they're gonna sue the university, they're gonna do all these things, and it's like the university would rather die. It would rather die than allow gay people on staff. Like they would rather. Seattle Pacific University ceased to exist in order to hold control, then allow people who still profess Christ, like they still got to say they like Jesus, keep them on. Like, it's just, it's like, it's wild to me. It's wild to me to think about. And it's also like the disconnect of understanding why students would be upset. There are brilliant students at SPU that can never get a job at the university that they paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to at the end because they're gay. Like, and these old men don't understand why people, and maybe women, don't understand why that's an issue. But it's, you know, like you said, they would rather, they would rather this thing just not exist than for everyone to have like access to it. (laughs) And if that is not America, (laughs) like, I don't know. I don't know what else is because that's that's literally like every fight that we're having right now comes down to the majority of people just being like, hey, we're here. We've been putting in work and this thing. We want this to be better. We want we just want good things. for. We're not asking for anything extra. We just want everybody to be able to have a little bit of the same. (laughs) And they're like, no, it's it reminds me of. um Lil Nas X and, and BET, I was just talking to someone about this today and they were asking me about it and my like thoughts. And it's like, BET would rather die because here's the thing, Lil Nas X is hella petty. He's brilliant, brilliant. And like now is going to just put out disc tracks to BET and BET would rather die than have a black man kissing 
another man on a stage. Right. They would rather die than have people say gay on the stage. Yeah. And it's just like, and they would rather include a white man that was on the album on a black network <laughs> than just include everybody. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, like stuff like that is kind of what, cause I got, you got little Nas and I'm like, oh, like his, his generation, those kids, they're just different. And they <laughs> are like, have so much hope, right? Cause I'm like, they're just, they're just different. And they just see the world differently and just go about it differently. And they, they're going to do it. They're going to figure out a way and they're going to do it. So, so much hope. But then like BET as an institution, that's where I kind of lose. Cause I'm like, this is, this is like a stand in for black men basically. And it's like, when you get these, this little bit of power, right. And now you become the oppressor and you like revel in that because y'all could be making a different choice but you are becoming the thing that this network was created to like fight against. Yep. But now you're it. And it's just like, Oh, like, can we ever, can we ever stop recreating the toxic, the toxicity? I mean, maybe this new generation can, but I don't think it will happen with us. (laughs) Like we are. Yeah. (laughs) We've also been ruined in all the bad ways. (laughs) We just ain't got it. I ain't got it for you. So I can only go so far before I become toxic too. And yeah, 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 start, start trying to gatekeep. Yeah. So between SPU, BET and Lil Nas, the gentrification of Juneteenth, (laughs) Roe v. Wade, everything the Supreme Court has been doing recently, you know, what is it like to be black, to be a woman and to be queer in America in 2022? You know, I, I feel insulated because I live in Seattle. So I think that there are, there are realities that I just won't experience because I live here. We're very liberal. We're very progressive. Like we're like a sanctuary city for people to come get healthcare, right? Like to be able to access abortions. And so I think that part of me like feels the shock of Roe v. Wade, but I'm also feel like Black women have never had rights. And so I've been having to find the joy forever. And so I think for me, I've just really been trying to strike the balance of being informed, sharing information, and also showing pockets of joy. And so spending time with people I love, swimming in pools, hanging out in heat waves, planning a wedding. And like, I think, I think when you've never experienced real marginalization to the extent of like black women, for instance, you just don't have a thick skin. And I feel like black women have been, and I'll speak for black women because that's what we are. Black women have been finding resilience in laughter and community and joy since forever. And so I think I'm just continuing that. And I think we fight, we donate to mutual aid, we get people access to healthcare but I'm not going to let this country kill me again. Same wavelength. I'm riding, <laughs> riding with you. And sometimes like, I don't know, like, I don't know what my place place in all of it is because I too, right? Like I'm in New York, I'm in a sanctuary city. It doesn't, it doesn't really affect me. Um, and again, as a black woman, <laughs> I don't like, I, 
I just, so many of these things, right? Like white women always have like this, these outsides, not outsides, but just, just a bigger reaction. Handmaid's tale. Just, Handmaid's right. tale. Can you, can you even imagine? We don't have to. Like, imagine, imagine. Ah. And so it's like, no, I get it. Yes, no, danger, danger zone. But we've been yeah. here. And, and so it's frustrating that y'all just noticed and you're still, you're still not listening. Yeah. And so something, something I've been thinking about recently, I'm like, why wasn't I more, you know, thinking about the 2016 election and thinking about white women who I know who wouldn't, didn't vote for Trump, but wouldn't vote for yeah. Hillary. And, and I'm like, why wasn't I more, I mean, I was upset, but I like kind of gave them, gave them that, like, I'm not really fighting you. Okay. Like, fine. But now I think about it. And I'm like, what? What was the worst case scenario if y'all had just listened to black women? Like if, if white women, if you just did what the majority of black women are doing, what could be the worst case scenario for you? But it's like that as much as you want to, to be helpful and to be the good guy and whatever, there's still that, that element of supremacy where you still believe you know better yeah. than everyone else. And you know, you just know the way. And so now, like now I'm like, I just don't have, so have much patience left. <laughs> so I'm just, just saying, saying more things. Just be like, well, well, here's, you have this, deal with this thought. But I don't know. There's no, there's no way out of this. Things are going to get worse before they get yeah. better. There's no, we're not going to wake up, you know, two weeks from now and things are eh, just kidding. Yeah. Everything we, we fixed it. You know, Nancy Pelosi, if you don't get out of my inbox, Asking me for fifteen dollars. <laughs> Tell me, what you about to do? No, no. Like it's, we're done. We've tried it that way, and now when things get desperate, you know, now you want to listen to black women, and now you want to put us out front, and you'll leave us out there to take the flag, to take on the bullets, to take on you know whatever. But then as soon as we make a little traction, y'all want to step to the front and take over again. And at this point, it's like, I don't know. I wish I wish you well. And I think for me, it's like we've been dehumanizing people for so long. And and so someone posted, like, the queers are next uh, because of Roe v. Wade. And I was like, well, if trans people are queer people, actually, like, they they were the whistle and we all just didn't listen right. because we dehumanized them and so like they've been come for the queers and anything that happens at right. this point all of us who didn't stand with them are complicit because we didn't see them as human it started there and then it went to roe v wade and i think because people don't consider trans people to be fully human or the gender that they say that they are they couldn't see that all of this dehumanization was always going to lead to Roe versus Wade. It all, that was always the trajectory, but we didn't care. Oof. And again, like, it's hard. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, did I, was I thinking about it? And then part of it is again, cause I'm insulated, right? Cause it's not happening. Mm -hmm. It's not happening in New York. And so it's easy to sit here and like, oh, Florida, <laughs> Ugh. You know, Alabama, Ugh. you know, but I don't know. What would I have done if New York was doing yeah. crazy stuff? Like, I don't know. And so like, these are the moments when it's like, we all want to think, 
you know, in the civil rights movement, I would have been right out front. And I was like, well, would you have though? Because we are, we're lazy. We like our comfort and we're selfish. We're just selfish until, until it's at my door, right? It could even be in my building. (laughs) It's like, they just bothering people on the third floor. Hopefully they'll get tired, right? And won't come here. But I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a very self-reflective time. I mean, also, I put my body on the line every day. So the idea of going to a protest where the police might beat me just isn't appealing. And I, like, recognize that I have to find ways to do my part. I have to. But I'm like, it's not my fault we're here. <laughs> so why am I, why do I got to be Superman? Why do I got to be Wonder Woman? This is you. You do it. My yeah. people done did it. We did it. We did it. And it's not our they 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 were happy to see our bodies on the line at any time. Like they said, Oh, welcome. We are glad you are here. And so yeah, so it's it's finding ways to to participate. But also like if the whole point is for black people to live live a happy life. I'm black people. I would like to live a happy life (laughs) now. So if my part of the struggle is not struggling in this particular way today, I think I have to be allowed that. Because again, we didn't do this. This is not our system. We can't fix it. We cannot. If it's only black people turning up to the protest, again, they would love that. They would be happy to know where we are. Oh, it's a lot of them? Like, great. <laughs> Thank you for turning up. So like, it doesn't, it just doesn't have the same impact. So this really is, this is a white fight. Like this is y'all, this is your, this is your I time. I feel like it, it just, it's, it's your time. And listen, listen, the same way in 2020 that you were on Instagram sharing infographics, I got you. I'm going to share them all day, baby. I'm going to share them all day. What, you know what else? What color square do I you want? I also donate. I got you on the donating. AOC, tell me what to, tell me what to give. I got you. Because you be you have real you have real things that we could do. I got you. Y'all yeah. be out there. Yeah. I'll be watching Blind Spot on the, on the gram donating. Yeah. Yeah. This is some parent trap, role reversal, body <laughs> switching. Like, now is the time. Y'all, y'all did the inside work. Now we want to come inside and y'all go outside for a little while. Yeah. I think, I think that's what's up. And I can't let, yeah, just, you know, I don't know, just the imagery again, performance, right? Performative. And I have to look like I'm doing enough. I'm like, just living. I'm doing enough. And I also think that I would be someone that allowed someone to stay in my house if they needed to access care and I will give to mutual aid when someone needs to come get an abortion and I will do those things but I think that the idea that I need to be doing the most I resent it and I'm not going to do it anymore I'm not going to I'm not I'm not I'm not and I don't think any black woman should continue to save this country I think it's time for the people who created it uh for the women who have been complicit and benefited from it to do a lot of the work that has been frankly thrusted on black women to continue to do yeah and even with the things like the mutual aid and aiding and abetting and helping people i'm like a lot of that is going to come out of 
relationship and community. Yeah. Like, if I got friends in another state who need, then obviously I'm your next point. Yeah, of call. I got you. Like, I got you. I got you. You know that. And it's, yeah, now is the time for community and for like, it's, it's really just getting back to a lot of what I think life was supposed to be. Right. Just like connections and looking out for each other and anything we can do to be upending or just reversing capitalism, any capitalistic instinct and just be like, no, we're not doing that. And it is just mutual aid and connection and getting way back to just the the simple things. And honestly, I'm going to just keep writing for the most marginalized in our community. So my trans siblings who have been rocked the last two years, I'm, I might show up to a protest for them because they, they doing their part. They're like, they're trying to get us to, to be where we need to be. But I don't know, people upset that they, people, if you have said that Roe versus Wade getting overturned reminds you of The Handmaid's Tale, I just can't stand with you because it's giving slavery. That's what you meant to say. It's, it's giving eugenics. Right. Like, that's what you mean. Right. Right. And like the, the unspoken part of that, that you don't even, you're probably not thinking it, but you don't know what you're saying it, but it's like, that was fine yep. for yep. them. Right. Like, but it's not supposed to happen. It's to not me. supposed to happen to me. So I would, I can only see myself in the fictional white character, June, who is experiencing the, what happens when you're forced to give birth. When not, not only were black women forced to give birth, those babies were sold and then they nourished white babies with their bodies. So it's like, it's even worse than what you're saying. Like, and so, no, I, I actually have more rights than my mom and my grandma and my great, great, I have more rights than them. And so is, is Roe versus Wade terrible? Yes. We hate it. Flop era. Yeah. I'm with you, but and, and, you know, we had an exchange on Instagram about this where, but, but we have more rights than the women before us. We just, we just right. do. And so is Roe versus Wade scary as hell? Yeah. But is it as scary as my ancestors being forced to give birth to babies they never saw again? No, it's not. I'm sorry. It's no. not. It's not. Because no. they also died in childbirth. They also experienced sexual assault as young as 13. They also experienced all these things that you're explaining my ancestors went through. And, and it, the added was they were literally being sold like cattle. So I just, it's giving right. tone deaf. Right. It's giving, you don't understand American history. It's giving supremacy. And, right. just like, <laughs> and it's it's giving all of that in 2022 after a summer of black square like and all the books and all the yeah. like we have documentaries you didn't do the reading you've been you, you joined <laughs> patreons what did you learn <laughs> not a and thing. you saw this not... and you said handmaid's tale handmaids we're tale. walking around the city in the red robes as a protest what no daughters will have uh, rights. My daughter will have less rights than my grandma. And I'm like, well, my daughter will probably have more rights than my grandma. So she's doing all right. Must be nice. <laughs> like literal, literal. Like, my grandma problems. couldn't vote. Could yours? Oh. <laughs> 
So it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to be in a fight where that's happening. I, I'm just, I get, I'm in it and it just, I'm, t- I'm just immediately tired. Like I'm like tired yeah. explaining to people, like you're thinking about the handmaid's tale, but I'm thinking about the women in my family. I'm not as afraid of you because I will always have more rights than my ancestors unless I get sold into slavery. Like that just is going to be, I can marry whoever I want and my, ancestors could not. My grandparents got married before interracial marriage was even legal in all the states. So it just, it's, I I like get it. And I also am not going to get there. Yeah. And also there's just a, there's just a resilience, right? And a strength and kind of just a knowing things, things have been bad. Things have been worse. Things are going to get worse. And I don't know. You, if you don't learn anything else as a black person, you're going to learn how to survive yeah. and how to have a good time anyway. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, things are going to get, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out and we will make a way where there is no way. And that's, that's just life. It's just life. And it's why black girls are magic and we don't age. <laughs> It's the only, the only like justice. It's the only, the universe it's the only justice. Like... The universe is like racism, sexism, supremacy. But you know what? Your skin's going to look good forever. Mind your business, drink your water. It's going to all be all right. <laughs> because for all this, just the heaviness and the weight and the stress that we care, like we should be aging the worst. Like, the worst. The worst. <laughs> we just don't. So that can only be there is a God. (laughs) And if you're wondering if there was a God on this podcast, it is in the skincare and the skin of black women. Here are your answers. That is the only evidence. Black women's skin. Black women's skin. Because yeah, there's no other it does not make sense. It just does not make sense. But yeah, so it's it's Pride Month. We had Juneteenth. Last time you were on, we were just talking about the joy, the joy of being black women, what we love about being black. So what what do you love about being black and queer? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I said the last time that the laughter is, you know, we find joy in our laughter and resilience in our laughter. And I think that that holds true. But I think also to be black and to be queer is to, I have to really be sure of myself. Uh, because the world is always trying to tell me to be something different. And so I think the joy is is just being able to know who you are and not feeling like you need to let capitalism tell you to be something different. So I get to show up and love both romantically and platonically in a very specific way. And I think it's, I think, I just think queers love better because we have to, we have to find our own families. We have to find our own people. And so I think the joy is in the way we love. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So as we finish up, help me, help me fix this raggedy ass flop era country. I named this podcast God is Not Given because of the scripture in Timothy that says like God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. And I feel like all I got was fear. So I'm trying to find ways to not even reclaim, like claim for the first time, a lot of times, power, love, and sound mind. So if you could, who would you wish power to? Who would you wish love to? 
And then what is a group you wish would rethink something and get a better mind about something? Um, I would give power to my trans siblings. I would give love to my black queens always. Yeah. Um, and I would give I would give a sound mind to the white folks in the deconstruction space who have left their evangelical spaces and have come into this new place uh, and need to find some healing. Yes. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> Said with love. Respectfully. And restraining myself to say no more. <laughs> oh, so yeah, so that's it, Ashley. Thank you so much for coming on, for being somebody I could be a fan of, and then becoming my friend, for being being a personal light for me in a space that is special. I appreciate you. Where where can people find you? What's the links? What's up? You can find me on the gram uh, and only the gram because Twitter is a cesspool. I surprisingly enough don't know my uh, Instagram name, but I'm sure Janice will put it in the thing <laughs> so you can find me. <laughs> I will. I will do that. Uh, and come for the laughs. Come for some dragging. Come for some grace. <laughs> it's all there. And it, listen, it's not for the faint of heart. I'm not for the faint of heart. Um, but this podcast so y'all be all right <laughs> anything anything you want to say any burning thoughts any last last words if you are not already go follow what is happening at spu support the students buy the t-shirts donate to the legal fund because those babies need a lot of support they are doing good work and we're the reason they're in a flop era not them so those are my final thoughts support those students all right you heard it here so go go do it and that is that off the top of my head i can't remember what time we scheduled to record this episode but i know we were just chit-chatting for a good hour before i even press record and it's people like ashley and the kinds of interactions we have that just make me feel so lucky and so thankful the internet can be an awful place because awful people are allowed on it and I don't know what anyone's fair share of internet meanness is and I do get some but for me the good so far outweighs the bad that it just doesn't even feel worth mentioning most of the time and I don't know why that is but like I said I'm thankful so thank you for being here and for being kind everything is on fire and capitalism has us all hustling to survive but life is just too short to not be enjoyed those pictures of space and all the galaxies that have been floating around recently have had me feeling so small, but also so special, but also like not at all, but in the best way. It's like it's so easy for me to believe that there is a God behind all of that, but then extremely difficult to believe that God would be concerned with the petty shit Christianity is so consumed with. And so talking with someone like Ashley who knows herself and trusts herself to fuck around and find out in the best way is so revolutionary and inspiring and impossible and simple. And here in the back half of this year, this terrible, awful, very bad, no good year, I wish us all a little more of that kind of bravery. Anyway, 
I'm Janice Legata. Thank you for joining me. If this has meant anything to you, sparked anything for you, or was just a general good time, hey, let the people know. Rate and review this podcast on Apple and or Spotify. Hit the show notes for all the links. Ask about me and God is not given on the gram. Visit my website at JaniceLegata.com for more info on what I'm up to, other podcasts you can find me on, and ways that you can support, including, don't forget, 722. And remember, all of history and time conspired to have you here and now. So take care of you, be well, and I will talk to you soon. I am an E. I am an E-X, I am an E-X-P-A-N-G-E-L-I-C-E.